0: The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cat Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cat Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Powercat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
1: Welcome to another summer edition of the Powercat Podcast, now existing on Megaphone.fm. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, get over there and just click that so you're getting the feed. We love all the bells and whistles we have access to at MegaPhone. Uh, a little update on that: if you have been getting it through SoundCloud, I think we will eventually be weaning off of SoundCloud because it just is, it's just it's its own thing. You know, you're on SoundCloud. If I if I did my own rapping, I'd probably keep the SoundCloud account. But at this point, no. Uh, and we will also be weaning off Libsyn, so that. Uh, because it's a duplicate of exactly what, um, actually less of what Megaphone does for us as 24-7 builds its own podcasting network, and we are one of the first sites to become part of that and we're proud of that. So get on over to Megaphone.fm and just click on our podcast. You can go to the podcast pull down up in the uh, header bar there and and get right there and be able to subscribe, right? We saw that yesterday. Yeah. They they snuck that in on us. They snuck that in. So, very exciting things with the podcast. We had some questions about the podcast. We're going to be doing more. Uh, hopefully, we'll be doing some recruiting, maybe some Big 12. Um, we're going to break off the overtime and move it into its own thing. And uh, maybe a little sh- very short post-game podcast in which uh, Riley and I or myself and someone else will have a discussion about the game. We're still working out the Yeah. Details. Riley's pretty full his schedules kind of packed on game day I do some things so it'd be ideal to try to find uh, literally another, anybody else <laughs> another party to do so with me and we will continue to explore that possibility uh, if see if there's someone that can sit down because I'm not sure it worked pretty well with me out me not going on the road last year um, uh, there's there's some trips I wouldn't mind going on Mississippi state but uh, if we're doing a post-game podcast, it might also be nice to have me back here, okay. anchored in the studio. And you're looking to travel for that game, by the way. I know people in the
2: newspapers have already booked their travels. Oh,
1: we were just discussing that.
2: Ah, okay.
1: Basically, uh, it's not easy to get there. It's almost like old-time Manhattan. Although, there is an airport. It's just really expensive.
2: I would walk It's expensive now that we haven't booked it. I I would walk 500 more.
1: Well, good. You're going to do that (laughs) after landing in Memphis. (laughs) Yikes. We are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get into uh, the fridge and say hi to Kevin and the gang and pick up almost anything you need for your entertainment needs. And I said almost because I'm friends with a guy who... Who probably could not book an exotic dancer at the fridge. I don't think. Isn't those illegal in Manhattan? Aren't those not? Isn't those? Aren't those illegal in Manhattan? Ain't those?
2: I think you meant to say ain't those. Ain't them illegal?
1: Yeah. You can't have those type you can't. Well actually fun is like frowned upon. That's true. Uh, You know if you go to Aggieville you're some kind of heathen. So get into the fridge. Great times uh, right there to be had. It's really weird now that you can buy all this stuff. As, as someone who grew up in Kansas and faintly remembers, uh, you know, liquor by the drink and, you know, you, in college there was 18 cl- bars and, and 21 clubs. But I faintly remember my parents talking about having to buy a bottle to leave at their favorite establishment. So everyone had a bottle. That's so weird It's so It's just so bizarre Kansas has been so far behind in everything But now to be able to go in a liquor store And not have to play the game where you walk out the door And walk in a door to buy You know mix and anything else It's all right there at the fridge Get in there uh, uh, I don't think you can buy chicken breast yet at the fridge You can buy chips I mean yeah. What? Yeah you can buy yeah. chips and if, you, if it's something you need when you're drinking Bang They have it Pretzels? Probably.
2: I'm Peanuts? sure. I'm sure. I haven't looked that close. I go in there and I get the same thing every time in the same places.
1: Well, so. the biggest thing for me is that uh, they have lemons and limes. So, I mean, literally, if I was making many of my drinks, I need lemons or limes and they're right there. I don't have to go to the store. It's, it's and like, the fridge is the only one that actually keeps them in the same place. Like,
2: you can buy them at the same place at other ones, but you actually do still need to go... Everyone's aware of the liquor stores in Manhattan and kind of their setups. There are certain ones that have side rooms, and you still have to go in there because they're still in construction. The fridge is not. The fridge
1: saw what was coming. The first part of the podcast, the first half, is brought to you by Tanner's. And, oh. you know... you uh, had a good cheeseburger at Tanner's last week. Yeah, Tanner's, was, Tanner's treated us right. Uh, you know... We're doing something different today. Uh, we, we got to our questions from Wild Bass Station, and we didn't get to as many questions as we hope because uh, for the middle of June everyone decided, hey, I got great questions. Uh, in the second segment, we will have on Ryan Wallace to talk about recruiting. We had some recruiting questions. We addressed many of those topics uh, in our interview with Wally. It's a good 30-minute stretch of pure recruiting, so uh, that should feed the beast a little bit. Uh, he's been putting up some VIP content, so if you're not a subscriber to Go Powercat, now is probably the time to go be a subscriber. 30% off your annual subscription and uh, follow K-State Sports with the guys who have been covering it for a long, long time and know the ins and outs, and I'm very excited about what's going on in recruiting. One week ago, guys, one week ago, actually it was six days ago, I poo-pooed recruiting. They had one commitment in May and one in early June, and they really had been hearing no a lot. It uh, It was like Riley Gates looking for a prom date. Damn. Wow. There's no, 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 and then all hell broke loose. Well, at least they used to make excuses, like, why no?
2: The prom dates, not the recruits. Didn't you only have, like, eight options, too? You could take outside dates. Really? Yeah. Like? Scandalous.
1: Like cattle? (laughs) Move on. Okay. I just, just... double checking and outside dates opened up <laughs> yeah. the door to a lot of different things Dang, <laughs> um so uh we we covered a lot of topics but needless to say uh the staff has kicked it in gear and they found their sweet spot and, and now in hindsight it just seems like one of those things where they needed the momentum to shift they had a bad momentum going and now they got good momentum going and it's been remarkable, and there's more to come. They've got some camps this upcoming weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll have those staffed. We're having some—our uh, vacations all lined up. We did not plan this well, but there wasn't necessarily planning. The U.S. Open is on this date. Yeah. Uh, my wife's work retreat is on this date. Wasn't much do At some point, you can't be everywhere. Just, you try. You just can't sometimes. We Man, do our best. that was just like uh, philosophical and deep. Yeah. I, I mean, he's growing up right before. So, yeah, there us. will be stuff. Yeah. There will be football stuff this weekend.
2: There will be basketball stuff in the works, I believe. Big week right now. Yeah. Got one on campus right now. We got one at UNLV right now.
1: Some big stuff going on. It's, it's crazy. It's, you know, the football thing I get. It's a different regime, it's a different approach. The cadence is different, and but boy, this last week of recruiting has been absolutely, absolutely epic, and that's why we're going to have Wally on the second half of the podcast and, of course, the overtime, which will become its own podcast this fall. We're going to take the overtime out. We'll probably still try to do three segments. We'll probably divide up into three shorter segments and then uh, uh, do a over, separate overtime. It's going to be such a mess. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then we'll put the bells and whistles back in some. I'm not going to spend eight hours on an overtime. We could probably just
3: plug into the soundboard now and just have somebody with the just do the soundboard then. Woo.
1: Doesn't seem like it'd be <laughs> go over easily. I mean, how am I going to put in an hour's worth of eating chips? I'll just eat a bag of chips. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> right into the mic I can't believe you used the eating chips thing again We hated that Oh, that was actually Riley
2: eating chips <laughs> He didn't eat breakfast <laughs> It's not
3: good <laughs> Wasn't allowed to take lunch
1: It's your questions from Wabash Station From the WTC Gig Powered Studios And here's your MC, Zach Carlson
3: From Watercat uh, Basketball question Will the last roster spot be filled or held open for next year? I do think
2: it will be filled um, My gut says it won't be Nick Blake, but I don't know. That's the UNLV guy. Yeah, that's the kid at UNLV. Sorry. If you were a VIP subscriber to Paracat.com, you would be aware of that. Just
1: making that plug. Thanks for changing your voice on that so it sounded like Yeah, it's an ad. Yeah.
2: Um, I don't think it'll be him. I think he'll go to UNLV. That's just kind of from what I'm hearing right now. But, I mean, he certainly could and, and be a real big get. Don't ask me who it's going to be outside of that, though. I mean, they're it's June 11th, I can't imagine Blake will decide today. So, I mean, it'll probably be within a week, maybe two. Um, I don't know. There's guys out there. I just don't know as if that they're heavily invested at this point into anybody. I would prefer to see him hold it if they don't get Blake. I think it'd serve him better. I think he'd go into 2020 with three instead
1: of two. But I agree with that in some ways. I don't want them just to spend it on a guy that can play next year that won't play. Yeah. Like good news. Don't go get
2: someone. That, if you if you miss on Blake, don't go get someone that's going to be eligible next year. Go get a transfer that has to sit out a year. Go get, someone le-
1: yeah, go get someone legitimately that can help you a year down the road. Not just a transfer, not just some guy, but if there's someone good out there that needs to sit out a year, particularly along the front line, that's proven they can be a a frontline player at this level, because that's the problem. I'm to the point now, you're going to have to keep supplementing your frontline with transfers, because outside of Dean Wade and the very first recruit, D.J. Johnson, you've done squat uh, with recruiting big guys right out of high school. So, I mean, everyone that has been decent has transferred, or even being a junior college guy, if you want to say Hurt was good, I don't know. Stephen Herb was fine. Compared to what everything else? Yeah, he was
2: I think they'll fill it. I just don't know who it's going to
3: be right now. We'll keep an eye on it. Moving on to football from AdamK63. How weird is it to see K-State in the top three in conference in recruiting?
1: Oh, so it feels perfectly normal. Wait, yeah. this isn't normal? Sure. Yeah, this is how it's always been. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. And you know, Ryan Wallace is going to have an interesting article explaining that, how it's manifested itself because it's, in some ways an illusion right now mm-hmm. because of this flurry, this surge of guys. This is something K-State fans haven't seen, that you sign, or you get pledges from what, five guys in a week? Put me on spot. Six? Yeah. Five? Two, I don't know. Five. There's five. Okay. So it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it's just been really a, a surge, and it's affected the ratings. It has moved K-State third into the Big 12, and 27th in the country, a little bit. Uh, It'll change. Yeah, a little They'll drop. Little fool's gold in there. Um, they need to go get a higher level of recruit to sustain that, because really they haven't got any, landed anyone. Uh, they have. They're not landing consistently the type of guys you need to be in the top 30
2: in the nation. Yeah, but kind of like, and you know, you mentioned Wally. Wally will get into it whenever he writes that, um, and he'll be a lot deeper about it. But I will say this: I think that the type of players that they've landed so far, they you know, I don't think that if you gave the last year staff eleven commits on June 11th, I don't know if that they'd be 27th in the country or whatever. You know, I mean, they'd probably be around there because of what those numbers are going to do. But I really do think they've gotten some quality players. You know, getting a four star and Taylor Warner, getting high three stars, not those fringe two or threes. They're getting threes that are pushing for fours. Um, And I think that that's the difference. I think they're going for a different type of player. And I know we've said this for a million years now at K-State. You know, oh, it doesn't matter if you're a three star, you can still come play like a five star and all that. The guys that I'm watching on these films are they're good players man they're getting their their ball hawks they're they're getting after it they've got speed they've got athleticism which we know is going to fit well into the system so they're going to drop they're not going to finish in the top 3 i frankly i'd be kind of shocked if they finish in the top 5 in the big 12 yeah i agree um, I mean, that could be six, that could be nine, I don't know. But I still think they're going to have a quality class no matter where they end up in in terms of the rankings just because of the type of player they're getting. Well,
1: in comparison to what they've done in the past, they finished six, that's a victory. Yeah. I mean, they've been eight, nine for quite a while, thank God, for Kansas being ten. But Kansas is picking it up. Uh, They're even, you know, they're they're doing a good job of fooling kids into coming in. Did I say fooling? uh, uh, Convincing kids. I think it's the word I was. Convincing kids on a 2007 national championship. Daddy won at Kansas, apparently, because I saw one recruit said that. It's like uh, all Kansas uh, <laughs> does is win. What? 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 That was a football recruit. I want to. I want you to understand. It's football recruit said all Kansas does is win. Yikes.
3: From Purple Poncho Villa, Tyler Warner goes from being a no star kid to a five star now in a short amount of time. How does this happen? Four star. Did I type Tyler? It's Taller. T A L O
1: R. Taller. Oh, I just figured it's Taylor. I think it's Taylor. Is it Taylor? I don't know. Huh? What? Come so on, it, kids. So not not, pronunciation I guess it's not guide? the kid's fault. It's, come on, mom and dad. We should have pronunciation guides. We should. Wally said Taylor. I think it's Taylor. Okay. Well. Uh, he got missed. He, he did. It happens. You stop and think about on an annual basis the number of potential high school athletes across the country. And if you haven't been going to some of these camps where scouting services are and they, you know, the first thing you do when you go to uh, one of these camps, you know, I can list off. There's you know about three different brands out there of camps is you sign in, you put your height and weight or you get your height and weight measured. Hopefully you get a photo taken and you exist. You, you, They know who you are. We've we chronicled for a long time the problems in the state of Kansas in, in recruiting and recruiting is guys like this young man can develop late. He's coming out of his junior season where he had a good, solid junior season and and uh, moves into his senior year. But because of the state of Kansas, you know, a junior season could be nine games, eight games. What is it eight now it's, that it's you could play? It's eight.
2: It's eight, but the ninth is guaranteed. Guaranteed, but it's technically yeah. the playoffs, right?
1: So yeah, Kansas, it's stupid. The state of Kansas it should be. They, they should have four thousand games like Texas. <laughs> but you know, you're limited in being able to go to a team camp, and I think there's some rules changes on that. But you just don't have as many opportunities to get yourself out there. We all missed him. Everyone missed him, and then they went back and evaluated him a little bit better, and. Boom, there he was, and and they really liked him. And I liked him too. I'll I'll get into my thoughts on him in the second half because here's spoiler alert we've already taped it. I know. I know it's kind of like a movie here. We've taped the middle at the beginning. We could have, we almost taped the ending in the middle because someone had radio this morning. Sorry. and, And it wasn't me. But we're actually doing the first and the middle And the next question
3: Also from Purple Oh no, this is a different Purple It's Purple Powerhouse, my bad Uh, One of the big recruiting talking points Under the Snyder regime Was that their recruits were under the radar Slash not highly recruited guys But Snyder's staff could coach them up And be better players Do we have any any indication Of whether the new staff can do that Or do we just have to see what happens over time?
2: Carson Wentz.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you don't win national championships at North Dakota State because you're consistently stealing players from the Power Five. You're going out and finding players that are Power Five or close to Power Five level and getting them, even though they felt under the cracks. In some ways, you can make an argument that they've done it better than Bill Snyder did in 2.0. I'm going to be really blunt here. I think at some point, Bill Snyder began to believe his his reviews that he could take anyone and make them into a big 12 level player. And that's just not true. You've got to, he used to be able to, he, he, his gift as a recruiter was to see someone for what they were, but then he started to project more into it and try to think that this guy could become something that they just physically could not become. And I think that's where we started to see the drop off that, the players really weren't developing as much on a on a program-wide basis. Yeah, you can pick out guys that did it, but you weren't seeing the massive development of some guys throughout the core of the program that you were in the past. So that's a challenge now for this staff. I think they've inherited some guys that they felt like really weren't going to become the kind of players they wanted. You know, Honestly, I've been told some of the guys that were on scholarship at Kansas State, they looked at and said, we probably wouldn't have had them on scholarship at North Dakota State. So uh, there's going to be some thinning out of the herd. I know some preferred walk-ons have moved on because they were no longer preferred, which is a distinction that is kind of important because you're part of the 105-man actual roster that can report to camp early instead of at the start of school, and there's other things that go with it. Yeah, I think they're going to be good at it. But I also see a layer in here of we're also going to get some guys. We're also going to go beat out the Oklahoma States and Wisconsin's and you know other like programs for some players and, and mesh that together because that's actually the formula that built K-State football. The formula wasn't taking Jordy Nelson and turning him into a Hall of Fame caliber NFL player. It was weaving him and other guys into guys that were prominent recruits that were, you know, good football players and, and putting the two together. And, and sure, back then, guys, I'm sitting here staring at our wall here and Sproles and Seminole and Newman and, and Watts and Jordy. and These are Kansas guys that fell between the cracks because back then there wasn't enough uh, filters in recruiting. Yeah, I, you just you just didn't know enough. There wasn't enough film. This is pre-huddle, so it's uh, it's changed a lot. But yeah, I'm I'm not worried about that. They're gonna find guys. They're used to developing guys and do pretty good football players. These are some rapid-fire questions from Powercat Cat Ryan.
3: Uh, he says answer these in terms of above, below, or equal to initial perception of the staff. And then. He says, "Please try to avoid answering incomplete or too early." Oh my God! Okay, well, so rules.
1: That, my rules.
3: I might break the rules. Okay, so their ability to recruit Kansas.
1: What was my choices here?
3: Above, below, or equal to your initial perception?
1: Below, as of right now.
2: But yeah, I thought they'd hit on some of the other ones. So I'd say slightly below. It's,
1: you know, we're incomplete here. We're, we're still in the process. Kansas City Metro. Yeah, landed a big one. Yeah, they got one, but. Yeah, I think they need to really spend a lot of time in Kansas City and St. Louis. Yeah. Recruiting Texas? Yeah, they're doing pretty well. I'd say I'd say they're where I expected them.
2: They're in front of where a lot of you guys expected them because y'all freaked out. Oh, he does a, he's a Texas ties. Yeah, he's getting
1: I, hired I, somebody. I knew they would get into Texas pretty good. Uh, they're maybe a little bit ahead of where. I'm just not used to having this many commitments in June. Yeah. It's just, it's very normal in in terms of college football. I'm freaking out as someone who's covered K State football for 30 years.
3: Uh, ability to recruit against conference teams.
1: Mm. Yeah, they're, they haven't run into that many. Yeah, Kansas, some Oklahoma State, some. They're doing okay. I think they're okay. I think they're going to be better than the previous staff. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I know we're not supposed to do.
2: Too early, but I mean, it really is. They have hardly had enough battles to judge it.
3: Uh, recruiting against other Power Five teams, uh, they got. I mean, a couple of those guys had some pretty big, pretty big offers.
2: Um, but at the same time, they've lost out on a few. Lost some Nebraska. Lost some Iowa State. Um, probably around equal.
1: Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, they've lost a couple. Prominent recruits because they enjoy frostbite. That's my hot take. These players didn't want to play at Kansas State because they thought I would like some frostbite. So they went to Nebraska and Iowa State. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah, I think okay. that's reasonable.
3: Um, ability to evaluate current talent is in recruits. Isn't recruits? Yeah. They can evaluate it. Yeah. I mean,
2: talking about Taylor Warner right there, didn't have any stars.
1: Man, I like that kid. I, like I said, I'll get into him more, but I just – there's something there. I think he – I think you better get used to that type of player. He's, he's one of about three different molds that K-State will recruit out of quite a bit, one being the 265-pound guy that they see as 285, 295. Offense, defense, not sure. Let's just get him in the program.
3: Uh, the, ability, the ability to evaluate
1: potential talent. Well, I think this is actually going to be a strong point. That's the one of the reasons why I liked this hiring was they understood what it took at a program to go get guys that maybe were neglected by other programs and develop them them into a high level. And we're not talking about a you know, uh, we sometimes stop and think, well, that that FCS level there's not. FBS players there. Now they've got guys in the NFL. They've put about as many guys in the NFL as of late as Kansas State. So you miss out on that. I mean they've got a pretty darn good quarterback in the NFL. So they are decent. Yeah, he's okay. They uh, go out and find people that that can play. They just want someone that can play. That's all they want. That'll play and, and buy into their program. Does that sound familiar? You know, people are worried well only Snyder's the only one that's proven you can win at Kansas State, like, you know. That's the only guy ever that will be able to win now. Maybe back in 1989 that was true, but because of what he built through the years, he made it a lot easier on the next guy. But he didn't want someone that came in and thought, "Well, I'm just going to go recruit four and five star guys and turn this into Clemson." Uh, you, you know, I like the the fact that they hired someone that said, "I'm going to go out and find guys that can help us," and maybe their recruiting will stair step up. Bill Snyder's did. You know, he was recruiting at a fairly high level and, uh, you know, not five-star guys nationally, but he's bringing in some dudes, you know, for a while there. So, the, so maybe it'll stir step up and um, and also they want to be here. They want to be here not just for now. They want to be here long-term.
3: The ability to offer or land players before other schools move in. Ah, that's that's hard to do now.
2: It's hard to do now, and they've had six months to do it. I mean... That's that's tough. You gotta. Yeah. We honestly do have to wait for probably the 2021 cycle on that.
1: L- look at look at the kid that we were just talking about. He wasn't in the databases, recruiting databases, yet had offers from what Virginia Tech. You know, am I getting my, game, my players confused? Wisconsin. So he wasn't getting missed by programs. He just got missed by guys like us. Uh, it's hard to be completely off the radar now in college football. There's too much film, too many camps, too many communications, so much easier. Back in the day, you'd physically have to mail people a VHS tape. (laughs) Tape after tape after tape after tape after tape. Or, really, when it was too expensive, you would literally mail a tape. This is some of my favorite recruiting stories. Mail a tape to, like, Pat Jones at Oklahoma State with a forwarding, another envelope saying, after you're done, please forward this to Barry Switzer. <laughs> so people would, like, get it and say, holy cow, this kid's good. And it was never, that tape was never going no. anywhere. So, but now all that's out there. It's all in huddle. Well, we can, you know, access it, link it up to our our database, and it's all right there. Uh, the
3: ability to create and foster relationships with head coaches, uh High school coaches and junior college coaches. They seem to look like out on the trail they have
2: developed a bond. and they, I mean, they've already had the bonds. Right, with guys like kids. Van
1: Malone. I yeah. mean, he knows these dudes down in Texas. And a lot of the Buddy North Wyatt. Dakota
2: State guys have already hit the Kansas City
1: area. Conor Riley's lot. lived in Kansas City. He's Conor Riley's probably been one of the more consistent uh, presences. presences. It's hard to say, guys. Uh, in Kansas City for a long time recruiting for North Dakota State. The coaches know him. Mm-hmm.
3: And then, lastly, the ability to recruit overall.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I was worried their sales pitch wasn't quite hitting the right note. Um, I want them, I guess I should clarify, I want them to sell Kansas State. Because I think this program is a good sales pitch. People forget, and these kids don't know because it was a generation ago that Kansas State stood with the Giants, albeit briefly, uh, you know I'm, I'll, I understand that that it was a, a run there in the you know late 90s and into the 2000s that Kansas State could play with anyone in the country. But because of that, it's not like things just dried up and blew away after that. They built facilities. They build a tradition. They continue to recruit high-level kids, just not enough of them. They still have a presence in the NFL. They have one of the longest NFL draft uh, streaks going with players drafted every year. I think it's at 3,000 years now. Seems not right. Is it 26? Um, And the facilities are fantastic. We've had coaches tell us that not coaches from Kansas, coaches from other places uh, that we've seen at camps to say, you know, you're right up there. You're not Alabama. Nobody is. You don't have fountains in the lobby. But the things that the players need, you got it. And you got it, and it's really nice. Uh, And uh, the the game day atmosphere is among the very best in college football. I guess I wanted them to really be selling Kansas State, and I saw a lot of look at our bling from North Dakota State. Uh, At least I sensed that. And notice that a lot of the recruits now landing are Van Malone and some of these other guys that uh, were never sporting the bling. They've been out there recruiting these kind of players for a long time. So I think they're finding themselves now. They're they're kind of settled into their own skin a little bit, uh, and I think uh, it's going to be very good. I think they're going you know, if you want them to – immediately get the five-star guys it's not going to happen in fact i don't think they have a lot of interest in prima donna guys that have had it easy have always been better than everyone else and then maybe as a five-star they'll get to major college football and discover they're not better than everyone else and not know how to function but i'm i'm happy i'm comfortable with this now i think they've kind of
3: found their groove from like cat. does it concern you that only four of our current 11 verbal commits carry offers from other P5 or comparable programs?
0: Um,
2: I mean, I guess you can say slightly, but I'm not enough to the point where it's, oh, hey, you shouldn't be taking the commit. I mean, they're taking the commits for reasons. They see something in them. I, I trust them. I know it's easy to say it. It's way easier to, to have a lot of confidence before the kids get on campus and they either flop or thrive. But I guess I just... I just kind of have some trust in the staff
1: that they know what they're doing. If I see a kid, if I look at watch the film of a kid and he doesn't have Power Five offers, and I look at the film and I'm like, I don't see it. I, I don't, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. That's me. I get myself in trouble because I say things like that. You know, I'm not out here to kiss their butts. I don't, yeah, you know, I don't need to be buddies with the coaches. I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to be friends with everyone. I'm here to supply you with information and be truthful. That's, that's my job. People hate me for it. They hate me for it. If they like me for it, they like me for it. Whatever. I'm too old to worry about that crap. So if I see something I think is really troubling, I will say it. And some of you go, whoa, Fitz hates them. Yeah, that's not really what I'm saying. I'm just speaking my mind on, on that given topic. I think they're fine. I think they know what they're doing. And uh, until they prove me otherwise, you know, they, they say they go out and take a bunch of kids and they don't pan out. Uh, then then I'll, I'll start to worry about it. I've done that with basketball. I was very patient with basketball, and then they continue to recruit big men particularly that just can't play at this level. You watch their film, and you know they can't play at this level. And then they get to college, and you know what? They can't play at this level.
3: From Purple Poncho Villa, if you were to get a cheat game, guaranteed win, this season, which, which single game would you select to help recruiting?
1: Hmm. Are you following
3: that? I'm not yeah. following that. You, so if you get to choose an automatic win f- to benefit one? recruiting for this season, which would you choose? I think you I'd take OU. Uh,
2: see, I wanted to say like oh, OU in Texas, but I feel like that's just kind of like, oh, hey, you want a big game. And everybody, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then type of thing. You could, you, you could say that.
1: I have never seen evidence of that. That that is true. A blind squirrel can find I think, a net. I think blind squirrels just die. Okay. I would say West Virginia
2: to recruit against Neil Brown, but it's like they don't really recruit against West Virginia that much.
1: Um, always, Iowa State? I've always that's not bad, but I don't know that they're going to encounter Iowa State as much as some other programs. Although Iowa State maybe now thinks they can come into Kansas and get kids which is, might be evidence of the fact that you need to lock down your border a little bit better. Uh, you know, you know you just if Iowa State's going to come in and start stealing kids, yeah. you got issues, man. You need to build that wall. You need to build that wall. You got the northerners coming in. Hey, I've always said this. You can't get greedy when you're trying to build a program. It, not to sound Snyder-esque, but you can't skip steps. And, and for me, it's, you can't skip rungs on the ladder. And right now, Kansas State football is on about the eighth or ninth rung on that Big Twelve ladder, seventh if you're optimistic. You got to go get the next one and the next one. I say Oklahoma State. Ooh, that's a good one. I like. I, I say Oklahoma State because you run into them in Texas, and those sons of guns come into Kansas a lot and steal kids. You need to snuff out the mullet and get on top of them in the standings and in recruiting. And then you start getting the kind of players Oklahoma State's getting. Now you're getting back into the ability to compete with anyone anytime because they've shown that they can beat the Oklahoma. They can can do it, and they do it with kids more than system.
2: I'll say either Oklahoma because it's a big splash and you can really show people, hey, we'll compete with the best. Or, and I know this sounds a little dumb, but just hear me out, you absolutely pound Kansas into the dust. And you show people in the state, you show people in the region, he's not here to win
3: football games and put KU back on the map. He's here to pick up a paycheck. Very valid. Fitz's point was more well thought out than mine, and I agree with it now. The Oklahoma State. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Last question of the first half from I like Pickles Cat. Buy or sell? The 2019 team will be more talented than the 2018 team. There's less talent on the field, but I don't know if that necessarily means they will
2: play less talented.
1: It might be utilized better. Having not seen the new recruits in action, because I think some of them are going to play. The new That's hard backs. to answer. I I don't know. Will the quarterback situation be better? You lost one pretty good player. But is the player you kept that was playing going to be elevated? He certainly seems to be elevated in leadership and understanding and and is really bought in. I'll say that the talent
2: level will be lower, but like Zach said, it'll be utilized better. And I think they'll be a better overall team.
1: That's there we awesome. go. And that's, that's a remarkable thing to say as we close up the first half because Bill Snyder always uh, you know, made the most of his talent. He had Tyler Lockett. So, Tyler, you we're going to throw you the ball a lot. We're going to give it to you on a jet sweep. You're going to go return punts. You're going to make a lot of stuff happen out there this staff is going to do the same things and we're going to get into some of that about the recruits that Chris Kleiman and company are getting uh, the commitments they're at 11 right now in mid june as uh, they really have picked up the game since just a week ago and it's been awfully fun to watch not as fun to cover for Ryan Wallace because he can be in the middle of anything at any time and all of a sudden that red alarm's going off on twitter and it's drop everything and go cover it. And we'll get into all of that with our Ryan Wallace on the horn from Kansas City talking about Kansas State football recruiting. This is the Power Cap Podcast. That first segment was sponsored by Tanner's. And all of us will be right back with a drink from the fridge in hand. Okay, that was a lie. We don't drink while we do this. We'll be back.
0: The gang will return with more of the Power Cap Podcast.
4: So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn you can hire professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend
5: today eBay Motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed one hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Back to Fits of the Power Camp podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor.
1: Welcome back to the Cat Podcast. The first half is behind us, and the second half we're doing something a little bit different as we bring in our football recruiting analyst, editor, whiz, Ryan Wallace, online from Kansas City. And it's been a remarkable week in K-State recruiting. Not as remarkable as a fridge, so liquor. Make sure you stop in there. And, hey, uh, also get into the high-low. We'll probably Ryan, go again. Um, Wally, 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 it doesn't stop. They've had five commitments in a six-day period. This class has risen to really weird, these are weird numbers for any of us who have been following Kansas State recruiting, not just covering it, just fans seeing that they're ranked third in the Big 12 right now and 27th in the nation is remarkable, but this has been a flurry, and I'd like to point out one week ago I was complaining about k state recruiting because <laughs> they were getting a lot more no's than yeses
6: well, and I think the other thing that makes uh what we're seeing pretty remarkable is not only the fact that yeah they're they're fringing, bordering on the top twenty five top three in the big twelve but uh, what we've been able to see this group do outside of the state of Kansas. Um, you know, we, we watched as they uh, weren't able to hit on, you know, some of the guys from within the state that, you know, many like myself, you know, had hopes that they might be able to connect on. But then they go out and instead of, you know, wallowing in that or, you know, trying to play, come from behind and, and rescue some commitment down the road from one of those guys, they say, okay, we're going to move on. And found guys that you know, with a little grooming, could equally um, you know reach that type of, of college career with some tutelage and some coaching. Uh, and then beyond that, what's probably even more impressive than than that um, is going out and securing four commitments from the state of Texas, a commitment from California, a commitment from Louisiana. Um, that right there just goes to show that. Uh, You know, Coach Kleiman, I think, knows this part of the country very well, uh, as do a lot of the assistants that he brought with him from North Dakota State. But we're also seeing where Coach Tui comes into play, where Van Malone comes into play, Coach Buddy Wyatt comes into play. And this really is a full team effort that we're seeing on the recruiting trail.
1: It's fun. They're out there really grinding. I mean, and Van Malone is. Accessing Twitter, social media, in a way that no coach at Kansas State ever has, uh, simply because they weren't allowed to. But he's also so savvy at it.
6: Very much so, you know. And I, I, he's one of those guys that seems to connect um, in multiple ways with a lot of the athletes that I talk to. You know, it seems like on a lot of staffs, you know, you have your young gun assistant, and and he's able to talk music, or he's able to talk, you know current entertainment, that sort of thing. Um, and then you've also got kind of your veterans on the staff. Van Malone kind of walks that, that line of both worlds uh, with a lot of these recruits. And he, because of that, he's just become um, remarkably savvy with a lot of the, just the lingo that a lot of these kids are using while at the same time being a veteran coach that, that they respect and look up to. Uh, his resume pretty much speaks for itself.
1: I'd like to point out to our listeners that we're taping this on Monday afternoon, and hopefully we'll have this up on the website, the Complete Podcast, Tuesday afternoon. The reason I point that out is there's a chance they could get 17 more commitments (laughs) (laughs) between this recording and and its actual release date. Uh, But they have had five in a six-day period, and it all started with someone from Kansas that uh, we— Honestly, it was off my radar quite a bit. Yeah, you, well, you know, just looking at, at
2: Taylor Warner here, and this is a guy that a lot of us, you know, we were, you kind of heard a little bit about him. Some other people had heard about him, but if you went to his 24 7 profile, there was nothing. You know, the, it wasn't written. Now we sit here today, and, and he's a four star, or according to 24 7 Sports, he's a four star, three star composite ranking. I, I guess the, the general question is, how did he go so unnoticed, and and how did K State, I guess, keep him uh, away from the bigger dogs to the point where they could seal that commitment?
6: Well, I think he's one of those players that w- has been on a lot of teams' radars, but uh, he's he's been a project. He's deemed very raw. You know, he's deemed a guy that a lot of uh, programs, including K State for that matter, wanted to see in person. Um, weren't comfortable maybe offering him just on junior tape alone, although obviously it is very impressive what he was able to do for Gardner-Ederson last year. That program just had a phenomenal turnaround uh, last fall, and he was a big reason uh, for that. Um, but again, a lot of teams wanted to see him in person. K-State did, and I think that the key with that is they were able to secure him for an early camp date. They didn't wait into uh, into later June. Uh, for instance, this upcoming weekend is their offensive, offensive line and D-line camp. Uh, they didn't wait for that. They tried to get him up earlier. Um, they wanted to, to get eyes on him quick, and they did, liked what they saw. Um, he's a big kid, you know, very raw, uh, Will easily with his frame. You know, adding weight is not going to hinder him whatsoever. Uh, great athlete. You know, I shared some videos of him dunking with ease. Um, and I think the the bigger thing that, that caught my attention is the glowing reviews that we heard at Go Powercat from Mark Simino who is the strength and conditioning coach uh, down at Gardner Edgerton, just talked about how hard working he is, great teammate, um, but that his upside, like Kansas State saw, um, is just through the roof. So I like him as, a, as an offensive lineman. I still feel like with the system that Courtney Messingham runs, uh, it just seems like he fits that to a tee. Um, He'll have to work on pass blocking a little bit if they decide to keep him there. I know defensive tackle, um, defensive and you know some sort of strong side defensive end would might be in the cards. Um, I just feel like personally, and uh, it seems like a lot of the folks from a national level at twenty four seven also seem to think that his potential as an offensive lineman and the, his growth that he could have, um, especially for this offensive line with Connor Riley, is just tremendous.
1: You know, your takeaway is exactly the same. I, I was a little surprised they listed him on the you know their recruiting card that K State had out there that. You know, he's a defensive tackle or defensive lineman. I look at that video and I see maybe a prototypical Connor Riley offensive lineman. It's 6'4", 265, certainly needs to put some size on. But he's looking at frame. He's looking at development. He's looking at more time in the weight room. I love his leverage. I like his feet. He is a little bit raw, but he puts people down. He, You know, he gets up under their pads and moves them around and, and – that understanding of leverage can lend itself to either side of the ball, but when you're running the ball as much as K-State might be, you kind of want that guy playing guard for you, don't you?
6: Well, yeah, and, and the way that he gets out and can move, the, how athletic he is, but then also like at the June 2nd camp, you know, we were able to see him go one-on-one with some guys that also are either have a K-State offer and Yaya Black or are fringing on a K-State offer like uh, Felix Anudyke from Lee Summit, went one-on-one with those guys as an offensive lineman and was able for the most part to hold his own. There were times where he might have gotten budged back a little by, you know, Felix has the speed, Yaya Black has the, the power right now. But I thought Taylor Warner was able to hold his own, and he's doing so at like 260 pounds. So you imagine when you add him to Chris Dawson's, you know, dietary plan and and strength plan, and he gets up into that 300-pound range, what kind of offensive lineman he could become knowing what we're seeing him do at a lighter weight now. Um, again, I, I'm with you, Fitz. I just feel like to move him from the offensive line would be doing him a disservice to the ty- type of potential and type of um, level that he could hit possibly as an NFL pro. You
2: know, Wally, over the last uh, week... However long this has been, we've been sitting here, and we, you know, we see the alarm go off on Twitter. The, the bring on the cats, and and then we all scramble. You know, which one is it? Which which kid's going to be committing now? Who's the one on the radar? And uh, the one we were kind of digging at for for a little bit. You dug obviously more, and um, kind of. Probably tougher one to unearth than, than some of them w- was Ronald Triplett, uh, the the recruit out of Texas that we were kind of looking around for, and we really weren't sure. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this one. What what does this one mean for K-State, um, who kind of did the groundwork here, and, and how big of a get was that one?
6: Well, Ronald, uh, I actually had a a chance to talk with him last night. We'll get an update on just why he chose K-State in in full detail on the the site here soon. Um, But, you know, in talking with him, uh, he just really believes in in the direction that Coach Kleiman is going with this staff uh, and also had a a strong connection with Van Malone. That's kind of been his lead down there at Shadow Creek. Um, And so with him, you know, this is a guy that's going to come in. uh, They're going to add some weight to him and play a defensive tackle. And when you watch him on film, uh, that makes a ton of sense. You know, he's extremely violent with his hands, um, explosive off the ball, um, but has the type of frame that um, when you put some more weight on him, will be able to be a disruptor as a defensive tackle and not just a guy that can, you know, clog gaps and and stop the run. So, you know, with Ronald, he was an interesting player too um, from the standpoint that, Uh, They were able to convince him fairly early. You know, I know there were a a couple other teams on him um, of interest. Um, Not a whole lot of power five interest for him. Um, But again, he was one of those kids that was starting to maybe begin a little bit of a steady rise as an all-district guy as a junior. And I think Kansas State was just able to get in on him early, um, convince him of what they have going. And I think also maybe uh, talk to him a little bit about where they stood with other Houston guys. And. I think we're going to see that continue it's already started kind of a trend, but i don 't think it's it's quite yet done, so I think convincing Ronald of that um, and having him get on board early and kind of tell him, Hey, you can be kind of the ringleader uh, of this Houston group and get things going was also relatively appealing to him.
1: I love this dude i mean hes you mentioned how aggressive aggressive he is with his hands he 's violent he 's sudden he he 's disruptive. Uh, I'm intrigued by the idea of taking a guy at 235 and putting enough weight on him if he can maintain that kind of uh, speed and be operating against guards and centers, how good he could be on the interior of a defensive line.
6: Yeah, there's something about him right now, you know, when you watch his tape and you go, okay, he's he's kind of similar to like what we saw from a guy like Marquell Bryant a couple years ago, um, but that was as a defensive end, you know, I mean, that's who he he's kind of similar to from a high school standpoint. But then when you when you start thinking about the type of player this, this young man can become when he gets into the inside, you're looking at possibly a defensive tackle in the mold that we haven't really seen in a while. You know, we're so used to seeing, um, you know, the Violet Toohey's, uh, you know, Trey Deshaun's guys that, for the most part, aren't really disruptive in the backfield. You know, they they are assignment sound and they stop the run. With Ronald Triplett, you know we're looking again at a guy that can be disruptive and be a force in the middle um, and, and add a little bit more of a punch than we typically have seen from the interior of the D-line.
1: He's out of Shadow Creek in Pearland, Texas, in case they didn't mess around, coming back two days later with Jeremiah Harrison, inside linebacker, also out of that same program, uh, and he's a get. That, this is a nice land for this K-State coaching staff.
6: I mean, I've seen it out there on social media that he might be, you know, the most coveted um, commitment that Chris Kleiman has secured um, in his kind of first full cycle. And I think you you can certainly make that argument. You know, this was a kid who recently had announced a top five of, you know, K-State, Oklahoma State, um, Arkansas was in there, uh, Missouri, and FIU made it, which, you know, you kind of wonder if that was just a ploy to maybe get a, a fifth official visit <laughs> from Jeremiah if it came to that, you know, but obviously it didn't. And I think what what happened with Jeremiah was uh, similar to Ronald Triplett. You know, this was a kid that um, liked the potential um, at Kansas State. I think he's well aware of the the opportunity that he might have to play there. Um, he's not super big, you know, I think we're looking at maybe six feet, maybe six one, you know, in pads and a helmet and cleats, um, but he's very similar to a guy like uh, Elijah Sullivan, and I think being able to see what Kansas State has done with their linebackers in the past, in addition to what Scotty Hazleton has done in, in his lengthy resu- uh, coaching career, um, with the resume he brings to the table, I think he knows that Kansas State was a place that he can go and, and kind of leave a mark, um, maybe a little bit quicker than some of those other programs. But I tell you what, beating out Oklahoma State for him and getting him this early, um, it maybe wasn't a big surprise that Kansas State got him, but it was a surprise that they got him this early, um, having not visited campus and coming off of an Oklahoma State visit um, not in the not-too-distant rearview mirror. So, this was a this was a really, really solid gift for Van Malone.
1: As a football purist, you look at a kid that's 6'1", 205, and honestly watching his junior highlights that might be Generous, um, you know, he looks like a, he kind of looks like a corner or a safety or a nickel lining up at linebacker. Uh, then again, you got to keep in mind at Parland, he's going against legitimate sized players, but he's kind of out of that mold we're seeing in the Big Twelve. K State started to evolve that way, but certainly when I when I think about a guy like this of this physical nature, I think of TCU, the smaller, faster. Um, you know, very disruptive linebackers that uh, may not be as adept at holding up in a power running game against a power running game, Uh, but in the Big 12, uh, when the field's getting spread, this is exactly the kind of guy you want, someone that can operate in space.
6: Well, and this is a, a guy, I think, something you're also going to start to see, not only from the nickel position, which, you know, we've talked about at length on the message board, um, but I think also at the linebacker position is there, you're going to start to see this staff start to trend more towards guys that can cover. Um, I think back in the in the past, I, I think sometimes Bill Snyder staff would get so focused on the watching a guy at a linebacker that was fundamentally sound um, from a tackling perspective. I think we're starting to see this staff say, "Hey, if you can tackle adequate, that's great. We can teach you." You know, we can teach you to tackle. We can't teach speed. We can't teach an ability to to get back and help us defend the pass or get out on a blitz, too. And that's what a guy like Harris can bring, because you can ask him to blitz off the edge and get an additional pass rush that you might not be able to get from the defensive end standpoint. But he's also a guy that can cover sideline to sideline and will grow. You know, he will, like you said, he's probably more 185, 190 right now. He can get up there and grow and become, again, similar to an Elijah Sullivan-type player for this defense. And and TCU is a really good example of the type of the type of linebacker that we've seen TCU have is kind of what you might see from Jeremiah Harris.
2: I think that dude's a ball hawk, and I think he's going to be around plays whenever it is that he that he makes his way onto the field. And let's just kind of stay in that that position realm. And um, DeMarquis Hayes is another guy that K State just recently got that that uh, commitment from. What does he? I guess does he compare at all uh, to? To Jeremiah Harris, or do they? Does he bring something that that Jeremiah doesn't? I mean, how do these two compare? And I guess what what was he? What was Chris Kleiman and, and his staff looking for um, by getting by getting the commitment from Hayes?
6: Well, I think what they liked about Hayes was his ability to be flexible with this defense. I think they have a couple different options with how they want to play him. They can bring him in, um, evaluate him, and say, you know what, you are best suited as a as a linebacker, as an outside linebacker will keep you um, where you can focus, kind of stay close to the box, um, help us out with the run, but also obviously he's plenty athletic to cover well too. Um, Maybe not the speed guy, the ball hawk that Harris is, um, but just fundamentally sound that can kind of occupy space and, and run downhill and make a tackle. But I think the, the thing that I like about Hayes and where I see him fitting best is going to be at, at the nickel position. And to me, he reminds me and I know he might be a little bit taller um, he's probably a little bit quicker, but he reminds me an awful lot of Randall Evans uh, the type of, of player that Randall was uh, in bill Snyder's old system you know he was uh, athletic enough to cover could excel as a tackler though as well um, and could come up into the inside the box at six one one hundred and ninety two hundred pounds and be just fine there be more than comfortable there um, but for me with Hayes. Uh, What I think, again, fits the nickel position is his ability to drop back, and you can see it on some of his film. Um, They line him up uh, at La Vega all over the defense. Um, I think he's played anywhere from safety to uh, it almost kind of looks like a corner where he's like 10 yards off the line um, kind of covering slot guys, and then he'll pop back into the box on a run play and help out there. I think that flexibility, that versatility that he brings, is probably a little bit more flexible than a Jeremiah Harris, and it lends itself more for him to be more of a kind of linebacker safety hybrid.
1: A more traditional uh, commitment came on Sunday because Sunday's usually a day that you'll see some commitments, particularly after official visits. But Cody Stufflebean out of McPherson, I'm kind of intrigued by this kid. He's popped up now at 6'4", 235. You watch the film of him. His film mostly is defensive highlights. It looks like K-State is looking at him as a tight end. But mostly what he is, he's a 6'4", 235-pound kid that can run around a football field. That's the kind of kid you get. Get into your class, you get into your program and say, okay, now we're going to see where you fit best. And, and it might be tight end. He might be kind of more the prototypical tight end we will see out of this program.
6: Absolutely. And Cody's so funny because, you know, when I talked to him after he got that offer at the at the camp, I said, you know, obviously what everybody wants to know is where do they want you to play? And he said, I still really am not sure. He said, all Coach Kleiman told me is, I want someone like you on my roster, right. <laughs> you know, and and that's exactly what they're going to get in him. I think they are leaning towards tight end, like you said. Uh, when I talked to Cody right after his commitment on, on Sunday, you know, he had mentioned that uh, that has kind of been the way conversations have been trending. Um, he's obviously athletic enough. I don't think there's an issue there. He's strong enough. He's got good size. The question for him will be um, to just continue to work on his blocking um, and can he be a a vertical threat? Can he be a threat in the passing game? Um, I think there's maybe one highlight from his junior tape with him kind of fully extended, catching a a ball uh, for a touchdown in the corner of the end zone on kind of a sneak route. But uh, for the most part, at McPherson. They they used him for his size, you know, to, to open up more holes in the running game. Um, but, you know, the fact that Wisconsin likes him, the fact that Colorado liked him, Virginia Tech, um, these kind of physical, tough-minded programs uh, just goes to show the type of fit that you think he'll be. And yet another blue-collar program like K-State, uh, they definitely need tight ends. You know, um, Cody didn't really mince words when he kind of told me what he's had conversation with, with Coach Messingham, and I think, you know, there's a couple guys right now that they like the potential of a tight end that are on the roster, but just to be blunt, um, they know they need better competition there uh, moving forward, and I think Cody Stuffelbean comes in and immediately helps that, um, and I don't think he'll be the last either. I, I
1: don't think no. they're done with tight end. Well, it's, it's intriguing to me, Wally, because we're used to Kansas State recruiting a quarterback or... a speed guy. Uh, You know, And then we're going to find you a position. Tyson Hartman, you're you're a quarterback. No, you're actually a a free safety. You know, that happened over and over. We will see that. That's something that Chris Kleiman and North Dakota State have mimicked. Lots of quarterbacks in the class, almost like shortstops. And then we're going to find where we want to play you. But this is like it at a different level. This isn't a running back who can be a corner or a receiver or a return man. This is taking a guy who could be a D-end, a tight end, uh, you know, maybe bigger fullback, or if he's capable of 60 pounds of weight,ing be it left tackle. It's just, an, I this is a different kind of guy than Kansas State's gotten. Someone that's really position flexible, not in skill positions, but um, in more physical positions. And I think this is going to be very common in, in these recruiting classes. We're going to see down the road.
6: Well, think of it this way, and I'll try and go through this as quick as I can. There's 11 commitments right now in this 2020 class. And by my count, I'm only seeing about four of them that are pretty solid at the position that we (laughs) them at at 24-7 or or that we know that they're going to play at K-State. That would be probably Nate Matlack will stay at defensive end. Jeremiah Harris will stay at linebacker. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, I think, is kind of uh, an all-purpose back. I think he could flex out and be a receiver, but I think for the most part they'll want him with the ball in his hands. And then Sam Shields is an offensive guard. Other than that, you're looking at Taylor Warner. We mentioned he's flexible, could go both ways. Max um, Maxon from uh, Louisiana listed as a wide receiver. They might, and he might end up there. They're going to start him at corner. Ronald Triplett, strong side defensive end, probably going to shift down to the tackle. But in certain formations, could play a strong side D end if you want more of a of a physical bigger body out there. Cody Stuffelbean. we think he's going to start at the tight end, could go to the defensive line. DeMarcus Hayes, linebacker, safety, nickel. Uh, Keon Mosey, we're not sure how they're going to use him, maybe as a slot. He'll be a return guy, maybe in the backfield. And Christian Moore most likely will be mostly a tight end, but they're also going to work him, since he's only about 6'2", as a fullback or an H-back. So, Yeah, four out of 11 that I feel confident are pretty much kind of one position
1: prone. Deuce Vaughn, I love, I love this kid. I mean, he, he, K-Staters love the little guy. There's just a history of that, and, and it's kind of symbolic of the program in some ways. I almost think K-State might create a new that the athlete position for him because they're going to want to throw him the ball. They're going to want to hand him the ball. They want to put him at returns. I'm not sure he's going to be a running back, receiver, or return man. He might be a little bit of all of that and kind of just do his own thing.
6: Absolutely. And I think the same can be said about Keon Mosey. I mean, they're they're virtually identical in, in height and in weight and what they can do with the ball in their hands. Though what's scary is the fact that it sounds like this is a staff that's going to open that playbook up more. You know, one one series you might have Deuce Vaughn out there, another series you might have Mosey, you might have both out there at both a receiver, both in the backfield. Uh, you know, you could have them out there with uh, Clyde Price. You know, a two hundred and twenty-pound running back. <laughs> um, yet, a, yet another player that might not actually play running back. I mean, it. There, I, 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 really do commend the fact that this staff isn't. You know, uh, what's what's the uh, the uh, what the phrase where you p- pigeonhole? Uh, aren't pigeonholing. Uh, people into a certain position um i love the fact that they're like you said are are you a good football player that we feel like is versatile are you a stellar athlete great we're just going to get you on this field and we're going to figure out where you where you fit best because we have the coaches that can coach you up no matter what
2: well you know while you're clearly (laughs) very educated on all these guys we could sit here and break down each and every commitment for the next hour or so but uh, you know that that's probably another time another place we just kind of i guess putting a bow on this this awkward week not awkward week a different week is the word we should probably use there Um, it's probably going to slow down I would imagine just a little bit but in your opinion what's next what's coming down the pipe soon what uh, maybe what positions might they anticipate and could we see one a new commitment in in the near future is it going to be some time in your opinion
6: Well, I think you're definitely, definitely not done in June. I feel rather confident that they're going to pick somebody else up, maybe multiple in this month. Um, I think most of that could start this week, this weekend. Um, They have their uh, second one-day prospect camp coming up on Friday, um, June 14th. They'll come back on Saturday. They have a a seven-on-seven event, um, and that will be followed uh, by the offensive line and defensive line camp. Um, and so between Friday and Saturday's action, I would imagine there will be some new offers that get handed out. You might have somebody like a Taylor Warner that turns right around and commits. But that all depends on who gets offered um, and are they local, Do they, are they familiar with K-State where they can say, like Taylor Warner, oh, I've been up here, I know what this program's about, I don't need a lot of time to think. More, probably more accurately, um, as far as uh, a position and a time frame of commitments and guys that could commit, you're looking at that next weekend. That June 21st through the 23rd, um, you're going to have all the Shadow Creek guys coming up as far as the commitments go. Um, You're also going to have JoJo Wilson up. Uh, he's a kid that I feel like could easily commit by month's end if he has a stellar visit, which it seems like if you're watching him on Twitter, he's very aware of what's going on, likes K-State, likes the fact that he could get on the field early. That uh, commitment would not surprise me. Uh, Chidozi and Wonko is another kid from Texas, defensive lineman um, that will be on an official visit that same weekend as well. Um, so that those are guys, I think, at positions coming up in this month that could commit, um, and it would not surprise me if either one of them does. So I don't think they're done. Um, We might have a little bit of maybe a week off, maybe two weeks off, but I think uh, they're certainly not done in the month of June.
1: One commitment in March, four in April, one in May, and just when we thought things were stalling out, Five in June, and we're not even, well, we're a third of the way into the month. <laughs> they're they're absolutely cooking right now in recruiting, and it's kind of fun. It's different. And, uh, Ryan Wallace, thank you very much. You will stay on top of all of this for our subscribers and non-subscribers at Go Cat. We share a lot of information with non-subscribers, but the good stuff is behind the paywall, isn't it?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And, in fact, I might even have a breakdown coming up this week on... Um, the two sides of this K-State class, and I'll kind of leave it at that. Um, We'll tease it. We'll have something up for uh, our VIP subscribers coming up in in this week. But the two different angles you could be looking at with this 2020 class, I'll have more on that later.
1: A lot of recruiting coming at GoPyroCat.com, 30% off your annual subscription right now at GPC. So go ahead and click that subscribe button and get on board. As football season nears, the Chris Kleiman era is Underway, and boy, it's already fun, it's active, and Kansas State is ranked third in the Big 12 in recruiting right now. Well, that's it for the second half of this week's Power Cat Podcast. We will be back on the other side with the overtime. You ask, we answer. We're sponsored by The Fridge, and we're sitting in the WTC Gig Powered Studios.
0: The gang will return with more of the Power Cat Podcast. Back to Fits of the Power camp Podcast, sponsored by Fringe Wholesale Liquor. Welcome back to the Power Cap
1: Podcast. Thanks to Ryan Wallace for hopping in in there in the second segment. Hope he answered a lot of your questions, and maybe we all did in the near future. Maybe next week we're going to take some questions directly for him. We didn't think of that in advance. Let's be honest here, Riley. We didn't think about taking questions for Wally. And and I just really wanted to cover the new recruits. I wanted him to talk about those guys and that flurry and what it meant. And that's really what I wanted to address. Nobody's ever
2: accused us of being 210% on the ball with things. So I get it. Sometimes a, things overlook. I
1: get an email from uh, one of our associates at 24-7. Um, humble brag, raving about our podcast. You know, how in the middle of summer, how good it is. And all no blah, 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 blah. Uh, but he goes. I'm just going to pick your brain about your preparation. <laughs> That's kind of how I responded. <laughs> preparation. Riley puts up a question thread. I intentionally try not to read the question thread so that I don't know what the questions are when I answer them. We, but he does give me a heads up if if I have to li- you know list my five favorite superheroes or something. You know, I if I have to do something that requires that type of preparation thought, he'll give me a heads up. But other than that, what are they? not aquaman he sucks i always
2: liked
3: aquaman as a kid no we've never prepped like hardcore prepped just put the questions together sometimes i'll look if there's anything i actually want to answer but
1: (laughs) so it's the irony of this is that he hit me up yesterday on monday and said hey uh can we talk about some of these future podcasts uh, that you're wanting to plan and you know flesh out some ideas and some of the the content you've got cooking, and I can share some other ideas. We kind of got sidetracked in that conversation uh, eventually, but I had to respond to him. No, I can't because guess what I'm doing? I'm prepping for a podcast because <laughs> I wanted to be ready for Ryan Wallace and actually be able to have a full conversation, get in there and really. Know, look at more of the film instead of you know just kind of that quick look you give on when someone commits. But I hope you enjoy that with Wally and we might be doing a more regular recruiting podcast. The balance being not putting out a bunch of stuff on a open podcast you know, an RSS feed that anyone can just go grab and also trying to keep the best stuff behind the paywall because our subscribers are so important to us and um, you know that's how we get paid. That's yeah. how we make a living. And, again, 30% off. Annual subscriptions to gopowercat.com. Football season's coming. Recruiting's already cooking. If you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, you really should be participating at gopowercat.com. And that doesn't mean just getting the information from us. That means being part of Wabash Station and the message boards. And the new ones are coming. No, we don't know when. Um There. We've been saying this for seven years. No, that's, not, that's, that's wrong. We haven't been with four seven for seven, seven years. Uh, they're in final beta, so it's coming. So get it, subscribe, hop on board, and be part of the Cool Club. Maybe we should just change our name. From the Powercat
3: Podcast to the Cool Club? The cool Absolutely club. not. We just got a new logo. <laughs> cool. Our
1: new logo is sexy. Yeah, it is. It's clean. You know what the lesson there is? Quit, Let someone else do your yeah, work for you Quit letting Fitz make logos <laughs> <laughs> It's your questions from Wild Bass Station It's the overtime, one of the final overtimes As we count down through the summer That we will do as part of this We will still record this During this time that we're recording podcasts But then I will take it into the magic machine And make it fun For Fridays As we drop something fun on Friday Fun Friday and
2: we will I, have to play Rebecca Black's Friday at the ooh, start of every one. Shit. We will have to.
1: We're gonna that have to license our, that.
2: <sighs> or we could just do it and not tell anybody.
1: Well, well, if you went to license it, would they say? Really? They'd you, say, you, "Do you really want to do that? Like, you want to think it's pretty that?
3: cheap." But like, yeah, okay.
1: Well, how much can we? How ask? much is it to license? Well, we actually pay you because nobody wants to hear the <laughs> song. Actually,
3: can we? Can we ask twenty four seven if they can license it? No, there's a lot of
1: ass I'll hey. make,
3: but not that. Hey, dear boss, big bosses, we would like to
2: put together a ridiculous Friday podcast, and we need your money so we can play Rebecca Black's
3: Friday. Thoughts? Please look into this. Get out
2: Thanks. of our office.
1: <laughs> and then here's the response: <laughs> We're on it,
3: on it, and <laughs> <laughs> they get it done. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we're, we'll be moving this out. We'll be actually kind of hopefully, hopefully during the season, be able to build a a, a more fleshy podcast, more questions. That's up to you. That's up to the members of Wild Bash Station. Keep asking the questions. What I find remarkable, guys, is as, as we've transitioned from one company to the other and gone from nearly four thousand subscribers at the end to literally zero. And, and then the, you know, build up as we continue to build that. Uh, the questions has still been really good. I don't feel like our podcast has ever suffered from a lack of good questions. So I want to give a shout out right now to our subscribers, to our people who post at Wabash Station. You guys are awesome. There's some great threads on there. There's no, there's no, The boards aren't filled with a bunch of nonsense. The K-Ned's doing this a remarkable series of his top memories of K-State sports. You know what we should do? He's at 9. Guess what we should do when he gets to 10. I know. Uh-huh.
3: I've we'll tell you. Over my head. We'll tell you. Uh,
1: these are the fun stuff. It's the overtime. Do we have any serious stuff in here? A
2: couple. I mean, okay. not like, serious, serious, but, like, not totally ridiculous. So, Off-topic-ish.
1: So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to figure out exactly how we're going to handle the new overtime self-standing podcast but uh, if we want any of this in there or keep it in the old we'll figure it out but, but uh, for now here's the overtime we don't have a sponsor uh, because our sponsor went out of business I'm still bitter but we are sponsored by the fridge they did not go out of business they will never go out of business they will build a kingdom every child will grow up going to the fridge hold on that doesn't work at all the children no Okay. We should all just right. go. All
3: right. For cap Pilot '88, it's basically been six months since four schools in the Big 12 hired new football coaching staffs. How do you think each is doing, and what grade would you assign them so far?
1: I mean, well, they, they're all they're all undefeated.
2: Yeah, none of them have lost a game. That's, that's never lost. Point. Never lost. West Virginia's
1: making some some splashes. Neil, I. I think this worked out really well for Neil Brown. Not that he wouldn't have done well at Kansas State. I think he would have if he had been hired. And, again, if you hadn't heard us mention this – he was, it was really a 50-50 choice. They just kind of went with a guy that was a little bit more Midwestern and probably had more interest in staying at Kansas State long-term, which I think those things are important. I think Neil Brand's a great football coach. He was a great hire for West Virginia. It was a better cultural fit maybe, and I think he's more comfortable there. And they are already establishing themselves at an ability to uh, recruit at a, a pretty high level. They don't have a ton of guys, but the guys they got are good. Hear me out.
2: Les Miles is doing an all right job. He is. In terms of he's got fans excited again. KU football thinks they're going to be amazing next year.
1: He's doing exactly what he
2: was hired to do. Exactly. It. That's why I don't know if I can put it. I think Matt Wells has to be last. I haven't heard a peep out of Texas Tech football.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on out there.
2: So probably Texas Tech at the bottom of the four. <sighs> Right, last week I would have said Kansas State third of the four. But I this recent flurry of recruiting might have put climbing on top of
1: Les Miles. Les Miles right now is P. T. Barnum. I don't get that reference. And you 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 really need to learn your circus history a little bit. Oh. Oh, like the Barnum, Barnum Bailey. Bailey thing? And nobody's and, ever called him PT like. That. And and he's in there selling a fantasy. The, the largest man in the world actually has pillows under his shirt. The tallest man in the world is actually on stilts. The bearded lady actually doesn't really have that thick a beard. Well, maybe she did. I don't know. He's kind of selling an illusion right now, trying to make it feel like a reality and then eventually turn it into a reality. They talk about their rings. You talk about rings at Kansas State with North Dakota. He's, he's selling a ring from years ago at LSU, and apparently some kids thinks he did it at KU. I don't understand that. said so, who cares about that? It's a different time, a different place, and a completely different situation. LSU compared to Lawrence. So I don't know it. I think he's done a good job. I think doing they're what pretty close. I the, think climbing most miles are pretty close. The one thing that I was surprised was that story that came out. I think it was from the Athletic. Uh, Maybe it was star. Which one? About the fundraising at KU and that the stadium expansion has been shoved back again, that the stadium improvements are back on the back burner. The stadium expansion has gone back all the way back to the step of finding an architecture firm to do a master plan to then decide what they wanted to do. Then they've gone back to zero. And I really thought Les Miles was there. Uh, to, to get that fundraising going and get the expansion, I say expansion, improvements. I think they should cut their seats. Shane Zinger wanted to go to 60,000 seats. For what reason? For what reason? Go to 45 50,000 seats. Go to a stadium like TCU in Kansas State. Have a really nice uh, Baylor, efficient stadium that looks nice. Um, keep some of the architecture. Keeps the things you like about the stadium being there at the foot of the hill. Do all of those things in an efficient way. Make it look really nice. Get it done. And be ready. Have the infrastructure. Better weight program. better. F- do all those things for the, the coach that's actually going to be there long term. Not this guy who, who can't put together sentences because he spaces out in the middle of it while he's talking. Which I guess I do, too. So... Uh, I am surprised. He's done a good job. But eventually, you'll find out the Wizard of Oz isn't the biggest scary guy. He's just some guy behind a curtain.
3: From Canelio, whenever the east side of the stadium gets upgraded, do you have any ideas as to what possibilities the talk is about the
1: project? Limestone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everything's limestone anymore. I. I want a new facade over there, and I don't think it's going to happen I don't think so either I think they're going to use the practice facility to hide it, yeah I'm just not a huge huge fan of that unless somehow it's really well incorporated. I just don't want to put a building in front of the east side and say, Hey, you know we we hid how ugly this is let's let's fix this will it be nicer? Yes,
2: will it be probably what it needs to be?" No, probably not. The East Side isn't the big donors. It's half students, and then it's the GA tickets. And, and yeah, right. they've got a sweet level, but the real sweet levels are on the West Side. I mean, you know, no disrespect to the East Side sweet people. It's just well,
5: that's just where the from, focus
1: is. Just from what the sun does, you want to be on the West Side. Yeah. You don't want to be looking into that setting sun. So uh, I don't know. They need to fix it. I think uh, if I had to guess. That'll all happen with the South, with because the thing about fixing the South end zone is that doesn't just help football. That expands the legend rooms and, and Bramlage and hides how hideous Bramlage is and expands hideous on the outside. I hate that siding that needed to be replaced ten years ago. You know, brings that out to the edge of the bowl and and have a party deck up there or whatever they want to do with it. So I think that all kind of be tied together because at that point, you got to connect the two, and we'll see how they connect them. From Purple
3: Powerhouse, what is your favorite stand-up comedian?
2: It's a good question. Zach and I really like John Mulaney there. He's pretty good. We went and saw him in Kansas City last year. Was that last was fall? Last fall. Uh, like a fall and a half. A year and a half ago. Okay. Like 17. So we did that, and he was amazing. Um, and I've always liked him a lot, but I've started like watching a lot on Netflix now. And Tom Segura is like my type of comedy. He's very dry. He doesn't really laugh at his own jokes a lot, but like that kind of makes it funnier, you know. He just kind of is pretty dead face. And uh, so I, I don't know. I've listened to like the same stand up like four times on him, and I laugh every single time.
1: I relate a lot to Ron White. <laughs> Yikes! Got, you know, got a drink in hand, telling inappropriate stories and just saying anything and I also like Jim Gaffigan and that. Oh, Jim Gaffigan's he's good.
3: Like John Mulaney is the only one I've watched multiple times on Netflix in a row. Like I can they're it, he's extremely rewatchable. All of his jokes are are great. He's a good storyteller.
1: If my favorite comedians could quit dying, that would be nice. Mitch Hedberg. Quit quit stop.
3: I'm sure he chose to,
2: and I'm, yeah. I, he would like to apologize for not consulting you first on that decision. Mm, thank you,
3: <laughs> from Wildcat Will forty one. Who wins the U.S. Open?
2: A golfer. Oh uh, We had this discussion last night because we were like trying to figure out who to bet on DraftKings. I'm picking Brooks. Oh, I God, here's I the thing: you're you're doing DraftKings for golf? No, no, no. I give people advice. <laughs> here's the thing. The golf is such—I don't want to say golf is a crapshoot because it's not four days of luck, but it also, like, Tiger Woods missed the cut right after he won the Masters. It's like some stuff can happen. So you don't really ever really know. You can't always big bet on the best. But, like, if you put a gun to my head and you're like, who's going to win the U.S. Open? I feel like you have to go with Brooks Kepka because he's probably playing the, most, the best and the most consistent golf right now. He
3: wasn't great this last weekend but he, he shows up it wasn't a major yeah he shows up <laughs> the majors
2: basically you could be like brooks do you prefer the majors over the normal tournaments he'd be like yeah screw the normal tournaments nobody even knows they're
3: happening i love the tweet during the pga after he won talking about how brooks is like a creative golfer in tiger woods where you put him in the goofiest outfits and <laughs> simulate all the other tournaments and just play the majors <laughs> That's awesome <laughs> That's accurate That's thing I've ever <laughs> heard, and put him up to ninety nine on on skills.
1: <laughs> really, really funny. It's. I'm gonna go with Hale Irwin. I don't even know if he's still. N- no,
3: no. Nope. <laughs>
1: <He's still alive. laughs> he, he won't. I don't Do know. Do you have
3: Daly's plan? No, he only played. He's only won the PGA. That's the only tournament he has exemptions to. Oh shoot. I don't even think U.S. Open champs get a play beyond ten years. I didn't know that. I learned something today. Yeah. That's why you have all these old—the Masters and the PGA are, like, the main two where you can get the—you can play for life, basically. All I want to do is watch Tiger
2: hit some balls, and that's what I'm going to do on Thursday. Wow, so.
1: that's exciting. Hey, do me a favor. Could you yeah. make sure the beach actually has pebbles on it? Because I feel like that's a lie. Define pebble. A pebble's a rock. I know. How, How I big like, is a pebble? I think a pebble is like a— it's like uh, A marble ball size? No, yeah, it's pretty small big than that. Yeah, it's smaller than that. I think it's you know about. I don't know. It's tangible. If you stepped on it in a bare foot, you'd feel it, but, but it wouldn't like a necessarily piece of sand. hurt. It wouldn't yeah. necessarily hurt. Was oh, it hurt me because I'm a wuss. Okay, yeah, I'd cry. But you know, a little piece of sand wouldn't hurt. You know, like the big kind of glassy piece of sand. Oh, that wouldn't hurt. But it's got to be like a, a five times that. Rory's coming
2: off a win. Maybe he'll do
1: it. Wait a shift. That was a good shift. Maybe
2: I
5: did. I had
3: no more analysis to add about (laughs) pebbles. (laughs) From Wildcat Will forty-one again. Do you think that, or do you like that there is a rotation of courses that host the U.S. Open? And would you like to see majors be played at courses we haven't seen? Mm, I feel like the ones they play them at are the best ones to play them at. I mean,
2: kind of like I'm not saying like you shouldn't. I don't think you should take the U.S. Open and put it somewhere that we have never seen a major be played, you know? I
3: disagree. I mean, they played Aaron Hills a few years ago. They went up to Washington. I couldn't even think of what the course is called. I don't like how they... Maybe you've put Phoenix in there? The mm, TBC Scottsdale? I mean, that's not a... They don't play majors there. They, I'm saying if you did. I if you were yeah, to I mean, rotate it. You no, wouldn't. I wouldn't. Not at Phoenix. Not in the... Not in... <laughs> In the desert in summer. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> I'm just... I'm not playing. I don't care if they get hot.
1: I think they should play all major sporting events in Las Vegas so I can go. but not actually go to the sporting events. Just oh, man. go to Las Vegas. But they probably would need to build an indoor golf course if you're going to play there in the summer. Like a giant biodome. That would be course. interesting. I'd like to see them come to the Midwest
3: more. I mean, when they yeah. came to the... St. Louis last year, it was packed. You couldn't get anywhere on the course because there were so many people there. But I think that the PGA seeing that understands, yeah, if we come to, you know, wherever in the Midwest, people are going to come. Yeah. If you put it in on Long Island, I don't know what the attendance was like at Shinnecock Hills, but that was even further away on Long Island than Bethpage was. And Bethpage was a pain to get to. (laughs) But there weren't that many people, at least on, on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. And... It was easy to get around. but
1: You know, that location isn't even convenient for the golfers. Number one, most of them live warm weather sites. Uh, n- number two, you land at any airport in New York and it's a bitch to get to. Yeah. Uh, quit putting stuff in New York. That's my other hot take. Quit putting stuff in New York. Nobody really likes to go to New York. Okay, there's some people out there who do, but they're weird. That's fair. Yeah.
3: I am excited about the PGA going to Frisco, Texas. They're, the is PGA, it really? The PGA is moving their headquarters to Frisco, oh, and they're building God, a a 30— I can't believe how Frisco's blown up with everything there. Basically, every Dallas professional sports team is has some sort of presence there. But um, they're moving their headquarters there, and then um, in the north part of, of Frisco, they're building a 36-hole golf course, which will hold the 2027 and 2034— PGA championship. I'll be dead. No, you won't. That's to be
2: real. 20, 30, 40. thirty-five. I'll be dead. I'll be thirty something. I'll be dead. I'll make great decisions. You You'll be really... taking your kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Putting the cart before the horse there. Yeah, well, all right. Yeah. We need to get you a horse. Um yeah, was that it? No. There's uh, no, still okay. more. You just put you just right. set, set down the paper like something happened there. No. Uh if, yeah, I agree. I mean, Frisco's amazing. I just want an airport in Frisco, so I don't have to go to DFW and fly. It, it
3: wouldn't surprise me if they built the one. Tried doing well, maybe not Frisco. There's an airport in McKinney, which isn't far away, but there's that. people are people want an airport up there. There's just so much growth. Onward. All right. Next questions from Cake Breaker: Does Ross Uglum remain a part of the GPC team? It's summer,
1: man. He's well. I no, no, there's he, more to the question, yeah, but
3: okay. basically, if yes, do you intend to bring him into your podcasts and coverage on a more regular and recurring basis? And he's asking in part since within the last two weeks, his agreement was announced with 24-7 and CBS Interactive oh, oh, to yeah, take that's over why as he's asking,
1: owner-publisher. Just because he hadn't seen anything from him. That's NBC why I put all, all that in there.
3: Report. Well, I, I said it, and then it was yeah. kind of like, and then Fitz talks. and I'm just like, eh.
1: So, yeah, he is. In fact, he's doing um, opponent breakdowns. Right now, um, he's got one done. Which one? There was There's it? two in the admin. He said Oklahoma State wasn't done. Anyhow, he's working on those. And when I say working on those, this isn't like he sits down and, and you know reads a few things about Oklahoma State. He's watching about twenty hours of film. I, you know, this is Ross is a significant investment for us because his content is involves a lot of research a lot of film watching a lot of breakdown and he's worth every penny so i hope you enjoy it he will he, he will be a regular during football for sure and bringing him in the podcast really is a pretty good idea Re- i mean we might want to think about him for the round table uh in that kind of situation so yeah yeah he will be a, a regular part of things but he is Ross he is now the officially the publisher. he was the de facto publisher you know when you're North Dakota State, you typically don't have a publisher. You have a guy from Minnesota or Wisconsin that has a second site you know that 's how those work but he 'll still be around don't so you but yeah he's he's picked up more duties with North Dakota state, but he's also hired on guys to kind of replace him what he did you know or supplement what he does so. Yeah, it's it, but that'll never be a big side. It's not, not a daily thing. It's not a full-time thing for him. He's got a different full-time job. So, yes, he will continue to do that. And he also does stuff with the Packers. I mean, he does, you know, for our Packers side. He's a huge Packers fan. So he's going to be watching a lot of film on Sundays and Mondays to break things down. From Estonia Cat,
3: he would like a Tuttle Creek and Dam update report. We now go live to
2: our Tuttle report, Creek and update. Dam I don't know. Uh, analyst correspondent, Zach Carlson. Doo, doo, doo,
1: Stormy doo, doo, Carlson.
3: <laughs> so what's funny is I went out and bought a permit so I could fly my drone out there. And then immediately after that, they dumped all the water out and I didn't fly it up there. So I spent $75 and now the lake's pretty much going down.
1: That's it. Yeah, we haven't had as much rain. We had some rain. Has anything flooded? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, well, you well, yes, yeah. but farmland. I meant like houses,
3: people. No, yeah,
1: there's some houses well, that are out
3: there. I know some people that have like their their basements have taken on water just from saturation. There's but. some
1: farm homesteads that are built on the flood plain because that's really good soil. So that's expectation. When you live there, it's gonna flood because yeah. you want that soil. So yeah, I you know, I saw some footage of some, you know, older farm homes that were, and maybe they're not occupied. Maybe they're just, you know, they're living down and that's their farm. I don't know how those things work. I garden. I don't grow things of substance. I don't grow things to eat. Don't flood my gardens. Back to you. Knock there. on
3: yeah. wood. It looks like
1: things yeah. are getting
3: better. Yeah I, think it really what, is. yeah, I think what they're gonna do is. They wanted to get a little bit of space back into the flood control area, I guess, available. So yeah. I think they're going to leave about eight feet from the, the water to the top of the gates. So we'll see if that Still fills back high. up. Still very high, but um, it's some breathing room for sure. So if there's, it'll probably take a good week or two of rain in the area to fill it back up again. I'm
1: predicting July will be 100 degrees every day and no rain and everything will die. It'll just evaporate? Yeah. That's my prediction.
3: Last question of the podcast is from Adam K63. Will Country Stampede return to Manhattan again?
1: Okay. Uh, My friend John, who's a county commissioner, says that there's a long-term contract with Manhattan. They have to come back, but that doesn't mean it will live through this year. If you're a small business, you know, without a guarantee, you got to sell tickets and da-da-da, this could... If you don't know, they had to move Country Stampede. It's always below the dam. Seems ill-advised <laughs> right now. Seems like... Not great, Bob. One breach of the dam might be kind of catastrophic. Uh, so uh, they moved it to Topeka. They're going to be out at Heartland Park in a wide, open, treeless area. It's not oh, at... hard pass on that. It's not at the main area. Heartland Park's a giant area. It's at the dirt. Portion of it, where the dirt track is, I guess oh my God, which is treeless, and it 's going to be if it 's this weather, which is mid seventies right now in Manhattan, which is bizarre, it'd be great, but we know stampede yes yeah, it will your be your that nuts off that great mixture, then thank you for that uh, Sorry. of <laughs> of a hundred degrees and humidity and rain, so that 's all muddy. I hope it stays i uh, unfortunately, it's just gotten really difficult for things like Stampede. I mean, the big acts I, get so much money, and they can't get the secondary acts. And for me, that's really where Stampede's kind of falling apart. Is they don't have the headliners are okay, uh, but the, the people when you got someone opening at seven o'clock for a headliner that you've never heard of, and yeah, no, that's
2: a pass for me. We talked about it the other day. How you're, you know, it's expensive, losing money. Whatever. I just, I just don't see it leaving Manhattan. I think. I think it'll stay. I think people—I think there might be a little backlash if they didn't have it again.
1: I think—in in all honesty, I didn't want to say this. I think uh, there's a better chance of it just stopping than leaving Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. This Yeah. Nobody's going to go to Topeka every This year. might break its back. Like, I, I don't mean that as an insult to Topeka. Nobody's going to go to Topeka every year for it. And here is the tip of the hat that might indicate they're done. Is I think it's on Saturday night every year they announce one of the headliners. Oh my god! For yeah. the next year, and if that doesn't happen, you know something might be up. They announced Sugarland one year as if that was going to get people real hyped. Well, a couple of years ago they they announced is it Florida Georgia Line there this year? No, that was last last were Yeah, so two year. years ago, because that was the last time my wife and I went. We'd gone basically every year. Uh, they announced Florida Georgia Line, and it was so funny because they announced it, and all the people out in uh, the sweaty area, the where the lawn chairs are, in the area, they loved it, and all the people up in the VIP area are like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> I mean, I've never seen more people get up and leave a headliner than I did. for They gotta find the happy
2: balance because it's like. When I went last year, that was Friday night. The headliner on Friday night was Alabama. Now, Alabama's a good country band. They're real good. Have good music. They're not a headliner at Country Stampede. you got to know your audience. you got to know what the event is. It's not a headliner for a Friday well,
1: here's night. Well, pro- here's your problem, is there isn't one audience. Yeah. The VIP crowd, the ones that paid the big money, the, the sponsors... The older people, they love that. I'm not a big Alabama fan.
2: It was not entertaining at all. They just played their instruments then. Yeah, I'm not.
1: They used to bring in a a rock act.
2: Bring in Jake Allen every year.
1: They used to bring in a rock act. And, you know, I saw Leonard Skinner out there. 38 Special was out there. ZZ Top, they sucked. Was out there. Go on and on. Should have brought out Little Nas X.
0: Yeah, take my
1: for, And Billy Ray
3: Cyrus for one song and call it good. Oh, no. Yeah, Yikes. I'm gonna take
2: my to the old town road. I wish we had the, had the rights to that one so we could play
0: it out. Lord, help us. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.